Hey there, I'm Adam Risman, and welcome to another edition of Inside Intercom. Whether you're at a brand new startup or part of a new team at a household name software brand, it really doesn't matter. The bottom line is you only get one chance to make a first impression with your product. So that means getting your story right and making a compelling case for why the heck anyone should switch from an established competitor to whatever it is you're bringing to market. It's not easy. So to learn more about how to actually get your story right, I'm joined in the studio by Jenna Crane. Jen is the product marketing lead for Dropbox Paper, the company's collaborative document editing product that launched early this year. Jenna's team looks after the full funnel of marketing for Paper, from awareness and consideration to activation and acquisition, all the way down to retention. But before moving over to her current role, Jenna actually had stints leading product marketing for Dropbox productivity features, as well as for its basic audience. So she's really gotten a chance to shape Dropbox story from all sides. In our chat, Jenna reveals the many ways her team operates in lockstep with the paper product team. It's really critical to have that kind of closed feedback loop of them telling us what they're trying to achieve and why they're designing the product like they are, us helping to circle back that user research and what we're hearing in the market to inform you know, how we can continue to build. Why nothing informs how you bring a new product to market quite like user research. The way I think about it, product marketing is really based on three pillars. There's data and insights. There's your gut, you know, marketing knowledge that you've somehow internalized and empathy. And user research actually helps with all three of those. And how to iterate and improve your messaging post-product launch. Different benefits and language can work better in certain circumstances than others, like when you're talking to existing users versus non-users or in an email versus on a landing page. So we always need to have that flexibility to be able to adjust the messaging based on who we're talking to and where we're talking to them. If you like what you hear, we've published almost 100 Inside Intercom interviews to date, and you can check them all out by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. But now, let's hop into the studio, where I'm joined by Jenna Crane, product marketing lead at Dropbox Paper. You're listening to Inside Intercom. Intercom, making internet business personal at scale. Learn more at intercom.com. Jenna, welcome to Inside Intercom. Thank you so much for having me. Just to get us started, could you give us the cliff notes of your time at Dropbox today, the different types of products you've worked on over the last couple of years, and what the problem that your team's trying to solve today is with Dropbox Paper? Sure. I actually have been at Dropbox for almost four years. I actually came from a content marketing background and was a writer originally. So when I started at Dropbox, I was running the blogs and doing a lot of the content marketing there. As part of that, I worked closely with the product marketing team and realized The more I worked with them, the more I loved product marketing. It was a really great combination of um, strategic and creative and analytical. Um, So I moved over formally into the product marketing team. And for the first year of doing that, I ran product marketing for our basic audience. So that's, you know, a couple hundred million users. (laughs) Just a few. (laughs) No big deal. And so really launching all the functionality that goes out to that, that user base. And then I started to lead the productivity product marketing team, as it was called then, which was kind of a more formal way to talk about all of the features and functionality that go out to all of our users, including business end users, basic users, um, to help them be more productive. And then at the beginning of this year, I got the opportunity to lead the paper product marketing team, the Dropbox paper team. And that's what I've been doing since then. And the problem that we're trying to solve there is that collaboration can actually be really frustrating. There's a lot about the way we work today with each other that involves unnecessary steps and 
just a lot of kind of frustrating work. And so it's actually more difficult than we would like to create and communicate ideas. So we felt like Dropbox paper could actually solve that really well. And that's what we're trying to do. Cool. You hit on something that I'm a little bit curious about. So as someone on the content side, when you made the transition from content marketing to product focused marketing, was that pretty natural or where did you find the most difficult learning curve there? I would say it was pretty natural because I had worked with that team before, but there were definitely things I needed to learn about the different channels and tactics that we use um, and the whole launch process. That was, it's one thing to be part of that in a very defined way and one thing to run the whole thing and understand how to work with cross-functional partners and kind of coordinate it all as a as a quarterback. But one thing that really did help with the transition is having that content background because a lot of great product marketing is messaging and positioning and there's a ton of writing involved. So being able to really clearly and concisely communicate your ideas and what you're trying to get across, that's actually a huge asset. So as you mentioned, you're the product marketing lead for paper. So how many people are on your team? How is it structured? And what's your thinking behind that? So we have four of us total. There are three ICs on the team. And we structure it mostly according to stages of the funnel. So paper is a really exciting product to work on in that you get to support the full funnel of marketing from awareness and consideration to act activation, acquisition, retention. And we kind of carve out areas of ownership um, for the different team members in that sense. So one of our team members owns the growth program and works super closely with our growth and monetization team and our uh, product growth team and our digital marketing team. We have another team member that just crushes the awareness campaigns and, and programs. And we just recently added a third, and she is likely going to be working on a lot of the foundational stuff, like customer research and competitive tracking and analysis and messaging and positioning. So for the team member that works on activation, are they the one that's actually putting together some of those example docs for when people get started with paper? Yeah, absolutely. She helps with that a lot. And we also are starting to create what we call public paper docs that take a given use case or an influencer and we kind of build out the paper doc that they've used and turn it into a public facing asset so people can see, you know, what this person used paper for and and how their project really came to life. So in that sense, yeah, she drives that that whole program. So going back to paper then, it launched, I believe, in January. So it's been almost a year now. Exciting year for you guys. Yeah. But the origin of this product goes back to the acquisition of Hackpad several years earlier. Uh, a lot of time passed between those two dates. But what was the sort of the need or opportunity that you had pinpointed as an organization that you really wanted to zero in on here? So Dropbox, back in the time that we were thinking about acquiring Hackpad, that was in 2014, it was evolving from being a kind of file sync and share solution to really a collaboration solution. We heard from our users and and saw that people were using Dropbox more and more for collaboration and and working with each other. And we looked at what Hackpad was doing and saw a really elegant and unique approach to that problem, which is making collaboration simple and easy and super real-time and synchronous. And so we decided that would be a great offering for for our users. And so we acquired them in 2014. And you came aboard Paper a few months after the launch. So Talk to me about sort of the state of the team and what types of things you were working on when you arrived at the product. 
we had seen a lot of adoption already in the in the beta phase. And so this was about really kind of opening up the gate for anyone who wanted to try it and letting that broader audience know what paper is and why it's awesome and why they should try it. We also didn't want it to just be a flash in the pan of, you know, we launched paper and now we're going to go talk about other things. So really continuing that steady drumbeat of momentum and announcements and feature improvements and really starting to understand what this broader user base looked like and cared about and what they were struggling with and um, how paper could help. Awesome. So when you came to the team, how did you start to get a feel for that particular user? Because their needs are, while they overlap with what you were working on previously, also quite different. Definitely. Uh, We did a ton of user research. And we had already a big base of user research that I definitely poured over when I was starting in this role. And we continued, and still to this day, continue to do more. And I can't emphasize that enough as far as being the ingredients of good product marketing is really talking to users as much as possible. And we learned what exactly about collaboration and the way they work today is really difficult and what early users of paper were liking about it and what was differentiated from their other tools and how they were talking about it to their friends and just really tried to get in the heads of those users and understand how paper can add value to their lives. What types of tools have you found success with for doing that, particularly for someone who might be listening that's new in that role? For user research? Yeah. We are lucky enough to have not one, but two in-house research teams, a marketing research team and a design research team. And they use a bunch of tools for qualitative and quantitative research. We do quantitative research through Qualtrics and in studies that we send out to users. We also have uh, some user research rooms at Dropbox that we do to bring in users and, and do qualitative focus groups. Yeah, we have, we're lucky to have a bunch of tools at our disposal there. One thing I'm always interested to ask people, particularly on the product marketing side, uh, because I know that the, the answer is usually they want to be in earlier and earlier, but every company works a little bit differently, whether it's paper or features that you're working on or other products you've worked on in your time at Dropbox. How often does product marketing get a full seat at the table in terms of the discussion? When are you involved in the process of essentially designing what this product and its story is? So the best relationships between product and product marketing, I think, result in the best product. Like that's kind of a critical ingredient to developing a great product and bringing it to market in a successful way. So we've been working towards that for several years now, and we're really lucky to have a super strong relationship with the product team. So I'm actually probably in more product meetings than I am marketing meetings at this point. We have one-on-ones with the product team and the design team at all levels. We sit on the sprint planning and the roadmap planning, and the at the feature launch level, we, we do recurring stand-ups and stuff like that. And it's really critical to have that kind of closed feedback loop of, you know, them telling us what they're trying to achieve and why they're designing the product like they are, us helping to circle back that user research and what we're hearing in the market to inform, you know, how we can continue to build paper to be a really awesome differentiated product. That's great. I was going to, my follow-up question for you is going to be, what does that look like in practice? Because everyone says that product and product marketing need to be in lockstep. No one's going to 
no one's going to tell you the sky isn't blue. But um. <laughs> No, yeah, we even had seats in the product pod at one point. And we go to their offsites and we are in their team meeting. And we have a standing marketing agenda item in that meeting to update them on what's going on. We send them a biweekly newsletter of all the things that product marketing is working on. So we've actually invested a lot in making sure that relationship is super strong. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service, and it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. And at the early stages of working with a product team, be it on a a whole new product like Paper or a feature, what exercises do you guys go through to sort of help shape that story? So for instance, we had someone from Stripe on the show and they talked about how they write these fake blog posts that will never get published, but it's sort of helped them synthesize the story that they would bring to market very early. Amazon does fake press releases. Do you guys have anything like that? Yeah, we have a couple different things like that. For uh, launches and campaigns, we created this process that mirrors the product review process, actually. So product at Dropbox has a review process consisting of a P0, P1, and P2. So the P0 being, you know, what is the problem that we're trying to solve and is this worth solving? P1 being what could a solution to that problem look like? And P2 is this is what the solution is and, you know, the execution of it and just kind of making sure that that's um, all buttoned up and ready to go. So the marketing process mirrors that in that we have an M1, which is strategy, M2, which is messaging, and M3, which is creative. And like the product process, we have checkpoints at each one of those stages to make sure that everyone agrees on what we're doing and why and the goals of the project and also how we're actually bringing it to life. Um, and that's been hugely helpful in making sure that, you know, we don't go down one direction and then have to take a step back and, you know, eliminates a lot of the churn that can come with having to change direction as as you go. Do you feel like it helps with scoping as well? I mean, are you able to trace back certain ideas the product team has and evaluate whether or not that actually fits with the problem you're solving in the story? Yeah, it's more about alignment and saying, yeah, if there's something that we want to do, you know, 
just understanding how it fits within the goals of, of this particular launch or campaign and saying, you know, we can always sequence that later, do a fast follow. It definitely helps us get clarity on that. But the other thing that we do that's been really helpful at kind of a higher level is we do mock landing pages. So when we were going through this big sprint of user research to really nail that focus and that positioning for paper, what we did was we listened to users and kind of mined all of those insights about what problems they were having and what um, their needs were in the collaboration space and what they were already using paper for. And we identified some distinct directions that the product could go in. And we made mock landing pages out of each one of those. And we did a ton of qualitative and quantitative research showing those to users and saying, like, which of these is exciting to you? And, you know, are there any particular problems or benefits or features that you're like, oh, my God, I need to have that tomorrow. And we took that data and that helped us shape, you know, like what is of all of the amazing things that paper does and all the different ways that people use it, what are the most important and compelling and differentiated? And um, what are those, we call them hair on fire problems that people have that paper could solve? What are the things that, you know, they really needed us to do for them? That's really interesting because one of the things I really do love about the way you marketed paper is the simplicity of the actual landing page you have. It's such a short scroll. You've got your hero video, your key points. I mean, it's everything's very clearly displayed, but done, done so with brevity so that you actually can get people to go in and, and activate and try this thing out. Walk me through how that actually came together beyond the experiment that you just said. I mean, what were the, the goals and what other things did you test? Yeah. So we know that paper is a super visual product and to really understand why it's great and why you should use it and why it's different than the other tools that are out there. You really have to see it in action and ideally you try it. Um, So we actually have a design lead who likes to say, just play around with paper for two weeks and then try and go back to what you were using before and I bet you won't be able to do it. Uh, We weren't able to do it when we started using (laughs) that is how our content team collaborates with our brand design team and we were using well, I don't want to call it anyone specifically, but uh, let's just say it made our lives a lot easier. So Amazing. I love to hear that. And that's one of the best parts of my job is that I get to hear that and see that all the time. And it really makes a difference to, to market a product that you know is actually adding value to people's lives. Uh, so for the landing page, we that was kind of our guiding principle for that. We want to show, not tell, you know, really kind of let the product speak for itself. And of course, pulling out those key benefits that we've identified through research to be really important to users. Of course, we're always optimizing the landing page and, you know, changing around the format and testing button copy and and headline copy and the actual wording. But it all is part of that principle to really clearly and concisely explain what paper is and why it's great and just get you into the product to try it. One really interesting challenge that your team has, and I'm sure is, is quite difficult, and I'd love to hear more about how you've handled it, is ultimately the, the job that Dropbox paper does isn't new. What you really need is someone to switch over from something. Maybe it's Evernote. Maybe it's Google Docs. There's a whole bunch of different use cases with other things you might switch from. But changing someone's behavior is incredibly hard. And when it's a collaboration tool, you got to change the whole team's behavior. How have you guys even begun to try to tackle that? Definitely. So, Again, I will go back to user research. That is just the core of how we tackle that. Those hair on fire problems that I mentioned, you know, those were incredibly illuminating for helping us shape the product vision and direction to be something that users just couldn't live without. So the goal is actually to make paper 
10 times better for our target users in in their like key need areas than anything else out there. And when something is 10 times better than what else you could use, like, of course, it's a no brainer that you use it. So some of the key problems that we heard there that we're really focusing on as part of that, you know, creating and communicating early ideas is really hard. That can look like the fact that we have content scattered across all different tools. Um, We heard over and over from users, like they have, you know, PowerPoints and Word docs and sketch files and Envision designs. And especially with all of these different online apps, it's really hard to have all of those in one place where you can add context and, you know, kind of just everyone has privileges to the right things. Exactly. Exactly. So that was really painful for people. We also saw that presenting in progress work was more difficult than it needed to be because oftentimes you have to create a separate doc or a PDF or a presentation just to present the work that you're already doing. Like, that's totally unnecessary. We can not do that. The work around meetings was really tough. So, like, making sure everyone has the agenda ahead of time. Who's taking notes? Are they taking the right action items? How are you going to assign those action items afterwards? And, you know, take a photo of the whiteboard and circulate that around. You know that you're probably never going to see that again. And then just more generally, just the idea of mutual awareness and tracking projects as they go along. Like, without that kind of visibility and transparency across the team, it's really hard to know, okay, what's the status of that? Who's working on it? Like, do I need to jump in? So those were all pain points that we saw really clearly and where paper has already started adding value and we know can continue to make those things much better. And if we can solve those 10 times better than than another product, then it would be a no-brainer to switch. Speaks for itself. So launches are a big deal. You observed the paper launch from the outside, but then came in very quickly afterwards to help fuel whatever was going to be next. What does your post-launch feedback loop look like? What's, I mean, you mentioned research earlier, but are you yourself actually talking to customers too? Yeah, definitely. We uh, we have customer chats at least once a week that the product and uh, marketing teams sit in on. Um, and if I'm not able to attend any of those, I definitely read the, the transcript mm-hmm. afterwards. Do you guys do anything to help democratize the information that you get from those, whether it's across your team or even other teams at Dropbox that might have something they could learn from that? We write it up in a paper doc. (laughs) We share it around. And it's really one of the awesome things about paper is that if you write it up and send it to a few people, you can check back on it and see like the next week. Oh, my God, there are 90 people in this doc. You know, it must have really been something that people were interested in and they start to share it around and you don't have to manage that or do that explicitly you know the the important information gets to who it needs to get to so how often are you guys iterating on your messaging today you mentioned not leaving things static post-launch but Mm -hmm. we're now 10 months out are you guys still iterating on the messaging of paper we feel really confident in the the positioning and messaging as it stands right now, given that it was so heavily informed by users, talking to users. But it is kind of, we use that as a guiding principle. So we know, you know, Dropbox Paper is a collaborative workspace that helps teams create and share early ideas. But it is different things to different people and different benefits and language can work better in certain circumstances than others, like when you're talking to existing users versus non-users or in an email versus on a landing page. So we always need to have that flexibility to be able to adjust the messaging based on who we're talking to and where we're talking to them. But it always stems from that core key message. And so we, we are always testing that the copy in all of those different formats, but the core of it doesn't change. So 
looking back in the past couple of months, say you're advising someone that's going to go down a similar journey, what are the biggest lessons you've learned? What are some things that you might do differently if you did it all over again? Or what would you absolutely say was something that you would repeat to reach success again? I would definitely say user research. I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but it is the most insightful, informative thing that you can do. And the way I think about it, uh, product marketing is really based on three pillars. There's data and insights. There's your gut, you know, marketing knowledge that you've somehow internalized and empathy. And user research actually helps with all three of those because obviously it can give you some really great data and insights. It also kind of trains your gut to think outside of the Silicon Valley power user bubble and, you know, be able to think based on what those data and insights were and kind of internalize it. And then obviously it's great at cultivating empathy and just being able to put yourself in a user's shoes and see, okay, what what am I likely struggling with right now? What kind of information am I coming into this with? Um, What do I need to know? What do I want to see? What am I worried about? And that all shapes how you present the product and talk about it. So what's next for your team and for paper and where can our listeners go to find out more? My favorite question as a marketer. <laughs> so definitely go to dropbox.com slash paper and sign up. It is free with a Dropbox account, which is also free. <laughs> so just plain free. And I would suggest uh, playing around with some of the sample docs to get a sense of all that you can do with paper, but also to try it for something simple like meeting notes. Like Try creating a paper doc for your next meeting, sharing it with the people who you'll be attending the meeting with, and then... Anyone can take notes, add them into the same place, and everyone has it already. You can create a quick to-do list and assign people to it and assign deadlines for the, um, the action items so those don't get lost. And you can even download the paper mobile app. I know that's asking a lot. but um, And you can take a picture of the whiteboard and add it into the meeting notes doc right from your phone. Right. So everyone has the notes. And as far as what's next, we are definitely continuing to spread the word about paper and continuing to shape how it evolves and finding the best ways to show new and existing users how to get the most value out of paper. Awesome. Well, Jenna, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, visit soundcloud.com intercom. If you'd like to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content, check out blog.intercom.com.